Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Amen. If you have your scriptures in hand, if you will turn with me to John chapter 20, we'll be reading verses 19 through 22 in just a moment. If you don't have your scriptures, don't worry, because uh, we will have them up on the screen for you. Uh, But today's message is titled, Jesus's Easter Message to You, because I believe Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us. You know, through the centuries, people have always had an interest in the final utterances of the dying. If you do a Google search for famous last words, you'll get over 1.5 billion results. And the list of interesting and sometimes humorous final declarations abound, including uh, the singer Frank Sinatra's dying declaration where he said, I'm losing it. Or Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, when he was dying, he said, wow, wow, wow. Not really sure what he meant by that, but uh, that was his last declaration. But you know, the last words of a dying friend or a loved one, they always are the most impressive and memorable, and they can stay with us for a lifetime. A noted preacher named Stephen Alford relates that he was unable to be by his father's bedside in his dying hour because he was out preaching an evangelistic crusade, but he was told that his father's last message to him was, tell my son to preach the word. And those words made an indelible impression upon this young preacher's heart and explained something of the fire and fervency that inspired his preaching throughout his life. When we speak of the last words of Jesus, they also should hold a great significance for us. But when we talk about the last words of Jesus, we normally refer to the seven last statements that Jesus made on the cross, starting with, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do and concluding with his dying declaration, it is finished, because he had completed the work of dying for our sins. But although those were his last words on the cross before he died, they are not actually the last words that he spoke here on earth, nor were they the most significant, because the cross was not the end for Jesus. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. Amen. That's why we're here today celebrating Resurrection Sunday. That's what Easter's about. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but Easter's not about bunnies and eggs and nice clothing. Easter's about the fact that Jesus died for our sins and he rose again so that we can have new life. Amen. And the Bible tells us that after he rose from the dead, he appeared to his followers for 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And during those 40 days, he made several powerful and important statements that spoke not only to his disciples, but it was also his message for us. And we're going to look at three of those statements today found in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. The scripture says, on the evening of the first day of the week. First day of the week is Sunday, and that's the day Jesus rose. That's why we worship on Sunday, and of course, we're celebrating Resurrection Sunday. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were brought together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. 
as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. On the very day that Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples as they were gathered in a locked room for fear and hiding that the same hostile influences of the religious leaders that had crucified Jesus would now search for them and do the same to them. So they're in a very troubled circumstance and they're hiding in behind locked doors, but locked doors can't keep Jesus out no more than a sealed tomb could keep him in. Amen. And Jesus shows up in their midst and his very words to them are the words that he's still speaking to us today. So in this message, we want to consider the three messages uh, that Jesus is speaking to us and what they mean for us today, because they're actually three wonderful gifts that the risen Lord offers to each and every one of us as we place our faith in him. The first thing I want to see, the risen Lord's first message to us is, peace be with you. And we live in such a troubled world, and we all face so many difficulties and trials and conflict. I mean, it's constant a lot of the time, right? That one of the things that we need most is peace. It's peace. And Jesus' death and resurrection makes peace possible. First of all, it makes spiritual peace possible. What is spiritual peace? It's peace with God. When Jesus entered this locked room where his disciples were gathered, he greeted them saying, Shalom. That's peace be with you. Shalom. It's a customary greeting among the Jewish people. And of course, it's translated as peace, but it's much more than just a greeting like we would say hello. In fact, Jesus repeats it twice in this passage because he doesn't want us to miss its meaning. Its significance is far more than just a greeting. It was always in some way connected to the peace that is received as a gift from God And this shalom has to do with our relationship with God. It's a peace that's made available only through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul describes it this way in Romans chapter 5 verse 10. It says, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled. That word reconciled means to be restored to peaceful relationship. When somebody has been restrained or estranged, excuse me, or been at odds with someone or in conflict with someone and they are reconciled, it's a restoration of peace. So while we were God's enemies, notice we were God's enemy. God was not our, our enemy, right? God was not the one that was fighting against us. We were fighting against God. We were rebelling against God through our sin. So it says while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? See, I want us to understand that we have all sinned. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not even one. I I hate to disappoint anybody in here. I know you thought you were the only perfect person living on earth. Amen. But the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not even one. For we have all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. And so there was a time when we wanted nothing to do with God because we were his enemies. We wanted to live life our way. We wanted to do our own thing. We didn't want God telling us what to do. We were his enemies. We were rebelling against him. Just like in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned, they weren't looking for God. 
They didn't want anything to do with what did they do? They ran and hid from God. But you know what? God was not their enemy. He came looking for them. They had rebelled against God, but God still loved them. So the Bible says he came looking for them. And you know what? He came looking for us and he's looking for you right now because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. You see, there was a time when we wanted nothing to do with God because we were living life our way in rebellion against God. And because of that, we deserved God's anger. We deserved God's judgment. We were deserving of his wrath. But because God loves us so much, he sent his son Jesus to endure that judgment for us so that through Jesus' sacrifice, we could be forgiven of our sins and we could be reconciled to God, brought back into a peaceful relationship with God. That word reconciliation in the Bible speaks of a restoration of friendship or a restoration of a peaceful relationship where once there had been hostility. So Jesus died for our reconciliation. Jesus died to bring God and man together in relationship. That's why we can only have a relationship with God through Jesus because he is the sacrifice that cleanses us of our sin. So now because of Jesus, we can be confident that we are right with God. There's such peace in knowing that you're right with God. Amen. Recently, my, many of you know, recently my mother passed away September of last year after five months of, of uh, being in hospice and suffering and being paralyzed from the neck down. And every nurse's aide that came in and every day to me, she would say, please pray that Jesus would take me. I just want to go home to be with Jesus. She was ready. She was ready. She just wanted to go home to be with Jesus. Well, one of her caretakers, um, who was a wonderful nurse's aide, she was probably the best nurse's aide my mother had, a couple of weeks ago, and now remember, it's been almost six months since my mother passed, a couple of weeks ago, that nurse's aide texted me because her 27-year-old son had just died. So I went to the, to the, um, to the viewing, because I knew the fact that she reached out to me, because we witnessed, my mother even on her deathbed was witnessing to every nurse's aide that came, and I was telling everyone about Jesus as well, and so I knew that it meant something to her why she reached out to me, and so I went to the viewing, and, and I sat with her and consoled her, and she began to share with me. She said, I am afraid that my son is in hell. He lived a very wild life. He was involved in a, a car theft ring and, and partying and doing all of those things. And, um, and she said, the thing that weighs upon me the heaviest is that he is in hell wow. and I'll never see him again. And she said, the reason I texted you is because your mother came to mind when my, brother, when my son passed. The peace that she had. See, there was something that had stuck with her about the peace that my mother had through her faith in Jesus Christ. You see, it's a peace that you can't have apart from God. It's a peace that cannot be found in this world. It's a peace that is made available only through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we can be confident that we are right with God. We can be confident that God is for us and not against us. We can be confident that our eternal home is heaven. Amen? The gift of peace means that we have been restored to right relationship with God. We who were once sinners, we who were once God's enemies, 
We who were once cut off from God are now his people. We are now his sons and daughters. And all of that because of Jesus Christ. In a book called The Capital of the World, Ernest Hemingway tells the story of a broken relationship between a father and a son named Paco. Now, I don't know uh, uh, your familiarity with um, Spanish culture, but Paco, particularly in that time, was an extremely common name. Just like my first name and, uh, from my mother's Cuban heritage is Maria. And if you meet a Spanish family that doesn't have a Maria in there, it would be a rare exception because in every Spanish family, there's got to be somebody named Maria. That's how common it is, right? That's how uh, Paco was a common name, particularly in that day. And so Paco had a desire to become a matador, to, to, to uh, perform, you know, and with the bullfights and what have you. But his father didn't want him to do that. And they were at odds with each other. And so he ran away to escape his father's control. And he went to Madrid, which is a center of bullfighting. And his father was desperate to find and reconcile with his son. So he searches out to find out where he is. He follows him to Madrid, and he puts an ad in the local newspaper. That was how long ago it was that there actually were newspapers. I know that might be ancient history for some of you. But there once was a paper document that you had to look at in order to get the news, okay? So he puts an ad in a newspaper with a simple phrase. It said, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the Madrid newspaper office tomorrow at noon. All is forgiven. I love you. Hemingway then writes, the next day at noon, in front of the Madrid newspaper office, there were 800 Pacos <laughs> seeking forgiveness and reconciliation with their father. Folks, we were Paco. Our relationship with God was once broken, but God sent us a message through Jesus Christ that said, all is forgiven. I love you. I want to be reconciled to you. Just meet me by faith. Hallelujah. The world is full of people in need of forgiveness and reconciliation, and we all need to be reconciled to God as our Father. And Jesus calls your name today. Your name may not be Paco, but he's calling your name. And he is saying, peace be with you. God loves you. And he wants to be reconciled with you because he wants a relationship with you as his son or daughter. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Jesus' death and resurrection not only makes spiritual peace possible with God, but it also makes emotional peace possible. It gives us the peace of God in a troubled world. Just picture it this way. There's one story in the Gospels where Jesus' disciples were out on a boat and a terrible storm came up that threatened their life. And Jesus' words were, peace, be still. And so we all experience storms in our life. It could be the physical storm of, of a disease in our body. It could be the storm of a job loss. It could be the storm of a troubled marriage. It could be the storm of an addiction. It could be the storm of things that are happening around us in our family or in the world. We all experience storms that, that try to rob us of our peace and distress our soul. But through Jesus Christ, we can know emotional peace when God is with us in a troubled world. Even in the passage of scripture that we just read, 
where Jesus appeared to the disciples in a locked room. The reason they were in a locked room, they were hiding. They were troubled because the hostility against Jesus had come to a climax and, and he ended up being crucified and they were his followers. And they're worried now that the same religious leaders that had Jesus crucified were gonna come after them. So they are troubled. And Jesus shows up and twice he says, peace, be still. Jesus knew their hearts was tr were troubled. He understood the fears that they were dealing with. He understood the stress and the pressure they were under. And I want you to know, just like he knew their heart, he knows our heart as well. He knows every fear. He knows every worry. He knows every concern. He knows every doubt that you're feeling, every sorrow. And he understands and he cares about you. He loves you. And he appeared to the disciples and he says to them, peace be with you. And he gives them a tangible assurance that they needed to strengthen their faith by showing them his nail-scarred hands and his wounded side. And in verse 20, it says the disciples were overjoyed when what? When they saw the Lord. Their, their fear was turned to overflowing joy when they saw Jesus. A preacher shared how when he was 16, he was running an errand for the church where his father pastored, and he ended up crashing his car. He had an accident. He wasn't injured, but his friend, a passenger in the car, was taken to the hospital to be checked. And so this young 16-year-old man, he was filled with fear, and he was worried about what was going to happen to his friend. He called the church office, told his father he'd had an accident, and his dad said, don't worry, I'll be right there. And in minutes, his father arrived. When he first saw his dad, he was scared that his father was going to be angry with him because of the accident. And he immediately began to apologize. I'm so sorry, Dad. But his father stopped him and embraced him. And the father just started to thank God that his son was safe. And he asked his dad, Dad, aren't you angry with me? And his father said, Son, don't worry about the car. It's just metal. We can get another one. You are so much more valuable to me. You know what? The disciples, the night of Jesus' betrayal and arrest, they had denied Jesus. They had fled they didn't want to be identified with Jesus. So, so in effect, they had all in some way failed Jesus the night of his arrest. And when the women came back from the tomb and they said, he's risen, they failed again. Because you know what? They failed to believe. They wanted some proof. But you know what? When Jesus shows up, he doesn't bring up any of their failures. Isn't that wonderful? He didn't bring up any of their failures. He doesn't condemn them. He comes to them and he makes his presence real to them and he speaks words of comfort and encouragement to them. I want you to know, yes, amen. Locked doors, hallelujah. Locked doors, heavy hearts, and fearful circumstances could not stop Jesus from coming to them, could not stop his presence from reaching them, and there is no circumstance that you're going through that can stop Jesus from coming to you. Hallelujah. No matter what you're facing, no matter how much you may have doubted or questioned or failed God, 
Regardless of how downcast or discouraged you may feel, the risen Lord and Savior loves you. And though we may not be able to see him with our physical eyes, he is here right now. And he wants to make himself real to you. He's making his presence known in this place. And he is saying to you, peace be with you. You can have my peace. Just trust in me. After his resurrection, Jesus said to his disciples and to all who follow him, including us, he said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Folks, if we trust our life to Christ, if we follow him day by day, we may not be perfect. There's no person that's perfect. There's no Christian that's perfect. Amen. We've been saved. God is changing us, but we still fail sometimes, right? But no matter that, Jesus still loves us. And as we continue to trust him and seek to follow him, he has promised to be with us no matter what our circumstances. Amen. His presence with us gives us peace in the midst of our trials. We can have peace when we spend time in his presence, when we spend time in his word, when we believe what he says. So Jesus' first message and his first gift to us is peace. And remember, a gift cannot be earned or deserved. A gift can only be received. And so we receive this gift of peace by placing our faith in Jesus. His second message to us today is, I have a purpose for you. I have a purpose for you. In verse 21, Jesus said, peace with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You see, when we meet the risen Lord and Savior, he gives us a new purpose. He gives us purpose in life. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So the good news of the gospel is that through Jesus' death and resurrection, we have shalom, we have peace with God, we have emotional peace, we have eternal life. Eternal life is available to everyone who believes. But forgiveness and reconciliation with God is available to anyone who believes, but for them to believe, they have to hear. And this is why Jesus has sent us. This is the good news of the kingdom that we want to share with everybody. And he is sending us just as he sent his disciples to bring this good news to everyone. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are saved. We are born again. We experience new life in Christ. And we become his followers. And he sends us out. Without this purpose, we don't know who we are. We don't know why we exist. And we just kind of wander through life chasing after different things for a while and then finding that they don't fulfill. So for a while we may chase a career and we may think, you know what, fulfillment, meaning is going to be found in our career. And then we advance ourselves in our career and we're like, wasn't what I thought it was. Or we may even chase our, our purpose and our meaning in a relationship, right? We get married and we're going to build a family and we're going to live happily ever after and we're just going to have a wonderful, joy-filled life. We get married, the kids come along, and you know what? It's a blessing to have a family, but we still find that there's something gnawing at us inside that's saying there's something missing, you know? And, and no matter what we pursue in this world, there's always going to be something missing because our purpose is found in following Jesus and doing his work. That is our eternal purpose. And with our new life in Christ, God gives us a new 
purpose, to live for him, to serve him. So we have a privilege of being a part of God's great plan for this world, his plan of salvation. Jesus sends us now to continue his saving work in the world to bring those who are lost in their sin into right relationship with God through faith. I read the story of a young man named Gib Martin. He was um, a pastor, but when he was 27 years old, he was an atheist, and he was led to the Lord by a man named Charlie. Charlie had been an alcoholic most of his life and a carpenter for many years before he met Christ. And after he got saved, he had a passion in his heart to reach men who were in the situation that he had been in. So every day after work, Charlie would stop by the local bar where Gib also went after work. And Charlie would drink coffee and he would share his life with anybody that was there in the bar that would listen. Charlie had found a new purpose for his life, amen? And that purpose was serving Jesus and telling others how they could be free. And so every day he went to that bar talking to whoever would listen. And on that particular day, a 27-year-old atheist who was discouraged, he was in despair, he had no meaning in his life, he was sitting there drinking his sorrows away. And Charlie started to tell him about how Jesus changed his life. Amen. And that day, Gib's life was transformed when he met Jesus. Well. And Gib received a new purpose. He was called to be a pastor. And since then, God has used Gib to lead many others to Jesus. You see, regardless of our past, God has a purpose for us. God has a plan for our life. God has a job for us to do, a high calling. God is calling us to be his instruments of love and grace in this world to those who do not yet know him. And there's nothing else in life that can give us more joy and fulfillment than seeing God use us to touch someone else's life. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, I am sending you. Saying, I'm giving you purpose. We're not just sinners saved by grace on our way to heaven. We are God's children, God's chosen people, sent to this world to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. And he wants you to succeed so he doesn't leave you on your own to do it by yourself. He gives us another gift, another promise. His third message, his third gift to us is, today I am empowering you. In verse 22 it says, and with that he breathed upon them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised to send us another helper, the Holy Spirit. In John 14, Jesus' disciples were troubled in their heart because Jesus had been telling them that he would soon be taken away from them, that he would soon die. And so he comforted them by giving them a promise. And I encourage you to come back next week because we're going to be starting a new series called The Promise. And it's going to be all about this promise of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead that Jesus wants to give to each and every one of us. But in John 14, 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, another helper who will never leave you. So Jesus' physical presence was being taken from them. But another presence was being given to them, the presence of the Holy Spirit. In verse 17, he says, he is the Holy Spirit. He lives with you now, 
because he was working in the life of Jesus, so the Holy Spirit was with them, but Jesus says later he will be in you. And I love that word advocate or helper because it is a Greek word, parakletos. Para means alongside of and kletos means to help. So the Holy Spirit is one that God gives us that comes alongside of us to help us. It says the Father is going to give you another helper. And the word another in Greek is alos. Unlike um, hetero, which means different, alos means same as. So he says he's going to give you another helper that's going to be just the same as me. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. That's why later on in verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 7, he said, it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit cannot come. And you say, how could anything be better than having Jesus right here with you? Well, you know what? When Jesus walked this earth, he was God in human form. So he was limited to being in one place at one time, right? Because our human bodies can only be in one place at one time. But once Jesus died and rose again and returned to the Father, he was going to unleash the Holy Spirit on this world. And you know what? God is omnipresent, right? Omnipresent means he can be present everywhere at the same time. So now when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not going to be just in one place. You know, like if, if Jesus was in Galilee, well, that's where the presence of God was. If Jesus was in Jerusalem, well, that's where the presence of God was. But now as he has sent forth the Holy Spirit, God's presence can be with us right here. God's presence can be with people that are worshiping uh, in South America. God's presence can be with those worshiping in Russia or in Africa or in China because there are now no limitations on the work of the Holy Spirit spirit amen but we couldn't receive the holy spirit until jesus died and rose again for us because the holy spirit can only live in those who have been forgiven and who have been saved by grace and restored to right relationship with god and so that is the gift of the holy spirit and it means that we don't have to do life on our own you know why because we can't we can't live the christian life on our own we're going to try, you know, it, it's like, it's like I, I often liken it to a diet. You know, we have good intentions. We start a diet, and I've lived my whole life on a diet, and it doesn't yeah. work too well. <laughs> but you start on a diet, you know, and, and you do real good at breakfast. About 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, you start feeling a little pickish, and if you didn't prepare ahead and have something healthy like carrot sticks to eat, you start eyeing those Oreo cookies, and they start calling your name. And you say, you know what? I'm just going to have two of them. Just two of them. So you have those two Oreo cookies, and they're so good. So I'm just going to have two. By lunchtime, those Oreo cookies are screaming your name, and you eat the rest of the package. And that's often how we are with sin, right? We say, okay, God, I want to serve you, but we're relying on our own strength. So we say, I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to do I'm going to stop doing that, you know. And we start out real good at first, and then before you know it, sin starts calling our name. Sin starts calling our name, and we say, well, just a little bit. And we do that little bit, and then sin's hold gets stronger on us, and before you know it, sin is pulling us, you know. Because we're trying, to, we're trying to change ourselves. And if we could have changed ourselves, Jesus would never have needed to come. 
But once we accept Jesus, he said, you don't have to do it alone. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to live inside of you, and the Holy Spirit's going to help you. The Holy Spirit's going to change you. The Holy Spirit's going to sanctify you, and sanctify means to cleanse from sin, and the Holy Spirit's going to make you like me. The Holy Spirit's going to make you holy. So we don't have to try to live the Christian life ourselves. We can't. But as we trust in him, the Spirit will begin to change us. You see, he gives us the Holy Spirit to free us from sin and to enable us to live for God. And he gives us the Holy Spirit as our divine helper so that we can do what God is calling us to do. To, to, to live the way God is calling us to live and to do the work that God is calling us to do. But the main point is this. You don't have to do life on your own. You don't have to do life alone. You can have a divine helper who will be with, their, with you 24-7, 365. Amen. Hallelujah. Enabling you to live for Jesus and do the work of Jesus. Jesus' death and resurrection has made available to us three wonderful gifts. The peace of God. And that's peace with God. And it's having God with us in every circumstance. So we can have peace to know, you know what? God's got us. God's going to take care of us no matter what we're facing. So the first gift, the peace of God. I don't know about you, but I know I need his peace every day. The second gift, the gift of purpose. The gift of purpose. And purpose gives meaning to our life. Purpose brings fulfillment. It brings joy to our life. And there is no better purpose than serving God. And thirdly, the gift of the Holy Spirit, our divine helper, one just like Jesus who will come alongside of us to help us. All we need to do to receive these gifts is to make a choice to respond in faith. Because again, a gift cannot be earned. It can't be deserved. You don't have to be good enough to get it. It's a gift. We receive it by faith. And God wants to give you all of these gifts by faith. But the very first gift he offers to us that starts it all is the gift of peace with God, the gift of salvation, where the enmity of our sin can be forgiven and cleansed, and we can be made at peace with God or reconciled to God. And folks, I said it earlier, we have all sinned. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not even one. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. And that's why Jesus came to die for us, because we couldn't make ourselves righteous. We couldn't cleanse that sin. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and offered his life on the cross as the payment, suffering the penalty that we deserved, so that now when we repent of our sins, and I know repent is one of those spiritual words we don't often use in, in everyday life, but the word repent simply means to turn away from. We recognize we've been headed in the wrong direction. We've been living life our way without regard for God. And we recognize that way is headed towards destruction. And we make a U-turn. I am so grateful God allows U-turns in our life. Amen. So we make a U-turn and we say, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. I turn away from that and I turn to you in faith. I invite you to come live inside of me. Forgive me of all of my sins and help me to live for you. And the Bible says the moment we repent and place our faith in Jesus, 
we are born again, or in other words, we are made spiritually alive, we are given new life in Christ, and we become the sons and daughters of God, and we begin a lifelong relationship of learning to love and live for him. And I wanna ask you to bow your heads right now because in just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to pray with me to repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus so that you can receive the gift of peace with God, so that your sins can be forgiven, so that you can be made right with God, and that you can become a child of God. And if you're here today and you would say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to know that my sins are forgiven and that I am right with God. If that's you, or maybe you did it several years ago and you've drifted away from that commitment and you need to come back to Jesus and you say, pray for me, Pastor, I wanna come back to Jesus. I want my sins to be forgiven. I wanna be right with God. If you fit in either of those categories, would you just lift your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for another, another. Amen. Thank you for another, 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 another hand. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask you, if you would, just keep your heads bowed, and I'm going to in, uh, ask you to just pray a simple prayer with me. It's not my words. It's your heart sincerely calling out upon Jesus, and he's going to do exactly what you ask him to do. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. If you just prayed that prayer and meant it, I wanna welcome you to the family of God and congratulate you on the best decision of your life. Amen. I made that decision when I was 11 years old, just a couple weeks ago, hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> now I made that decision when I was 11 years old and I have never regretted it. I have never turned back and it is the best decision that you can ever make. Now that prayer that you prayed is a beginning, not an ending. Amen. It's the start of a relationship with God. And we want to help you to grow in that relationship with God. So we want to send you free of charge a little e-booklet that will help you understand the prayer that you just prayed and the next steps that you can take so that you can keep growing in your relationship with God. We want to send that to you free of charge. But in order to do that, we need your email address. So we're going to ask you, if you would, just to text, I prayed, to the number on the screen. Just text, I prayed, to the number on the screen. And a little later today, you're going to receive a response message with a link. Click on the link, fill in your name and email address so that we can send you this little booklet free of charge to help you to continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. But in the meantime, I want to encourage those of you just, that just prayed, along with every Christian, to do three things to keep growing in the Lord. One, talk to God every day. That's what prayer is, folks. It's talking to God, having a conversation with God. And it starts with thanking God for all the good things in our life because we recognize every good thing is a blessing from God's hand. And then we can talk to God about whatever problems or difficulties or decisions that we're making and ask his help in our life. So I encourage you to talk to God every day. Secondly, let God talk to you every day. 
You say, Pastor, how does God talk to us? Many ways, but the number one way is through the Bible. That's his message, his word to us. If you don't have a printed Bible, you can download the YouVersion app. That's Y-O-U version app, free on your phone or tablet. There's never a charge. And I encourage you to start reading in 1 John, a little book in the New Testament that tells you who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Just read a few verses every day. It's not about, you know, reading bulks of scripture at the time. We want to read, hear, and understand what we're reading. So just a few verses every day. And before you read, just say, God, help me to understand what I'm reading and how you want me to apply it to my life. Invite him to be your teacher. And then read and reflect on what you read and then pray and ask God to apply it to your life. Do that every day. And then the third thing, get connected to a local Assembly of God church. If you're here in South Florida, of course, we invite you to be a part of our church family. We have a wonderful, loving church family that will walk alongside of you, pray for you, encourage you, and support you in your spiritual journey. If you're listening online and you're outside of this area, find an Assembly of God church near to you and get connected. Don't just attend the services, but put down roots, build relationships. It's through those relationships that we really grow in our relationship with God. So I encourage you to get connected to a local assembly. So do those three things and you'll start growing in the Lord. But be sure to text I pray to the number on the screen so that we can send you this booklet free of charge. And once again, congratulations on the best decision of your life and welcome to the family of God. As we close our service, I want to just speak to those who have already placed their faith in Christ. We have a, a new purpose. We have a high calling. Jesus is sending us into the world to continue his saving work. Will you go for him? And will you say, here I am, use me? If that's your heart's desire, would you just stand to your feet right where you are and just say, Lord, I want to live my purpose. I want to be used by you to bring others to the hope and the faith that is in Jesus Christ. Just speak to him from your own heart. God wants to hear your voice. I'm gonna pray over us right now, but you speak to him from your own heart and make that commitment in your own words. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of these that are standing in response to your word today. And they are saying, here I am, Lord. I give myself to you. I want you to use me, Lord God. I want to live for your purpose. Father, as we make this commitment to you, Lord, the, the spirit is willing, but sometimes the flesh is weak. And so we ask the help of your Holy Spirit to live out this commitment that we make today, Lord God. We pray that your Holy Spirit, that divine helper, would just come and just live in us and help us, Lord, to be who you're calling us to be and to do what you're calling us to be. We give ourselves to you today. In Jesus' precious name we pray. We thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. One five two two. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.